Education of our children doesn't begin and end at academia. There is a spiritual responsibility on each parent and teacher to nurture and train a young soul spiritually. This is called Chinuch. Join Rabbi G every Monday at 2 p.m. as he explores education and Chinuch for parents and teachers. Torah isn't education, it's transformation. We are back as every Monday between two to three where we discuss education. What's happening around the world? What's happening in our communities? What's happening in our families? How can we be better people? How can we influence ourselves to be better people? What can we do to just be the people we want to be and live in the world we want to live in? So, if we're going to be talking about the world, there's kind of only one thing that's happening in the world and everybody's talking about in the world, talking or what's being again and again and again and again. And things kind of getting out of hand, I'd say, regarding the amount of messages, WhatsApps, videos, jokes, fake news, real news, information, ideas, concepts, and almost as if we are connected to our social media and phones as oxygen. And as I'm speaking to people trying to figure out what the story is, why? Why are we so stuck here? More and more, I'm getting the message and feeling that we just don't know what to do. The feeling of being hopeless is so strong, so challenging. Um, we're so used to uh, knowing that if anybody gets sick, there is medication, there is antibiotics, there is something to do, and kind of now there isn't. And trying to live in a world with where we have no answers uh, we don't know what to do, is something I'd say quite new for us. Because there's always a solution, usually. Usually we always find something to do. There's this doctor. I mean, we live in a world that not only that we have doctors, we always love to run for second opinions and third opinions and Google and see what we know. And suddenly now, we actually don't know what to do, which is raising tremendous anxiety and hopelessness. And... And when last week we were talking a lot about what to do and how, uh, and how to do and what, how to keep our homes calm. Today I want to discuss more about how do we actually manage when we feel so helpless. And for that, I asked to speak to Aliza Billman. She's a psychologist here in Joburg and she has been experienced a lot of work and done a lot of work with EMDR, which we'll hear from her shortly what it is, but she actually made a whole program that she converted from uh, regular hopelessness in life, wow, that's even hard to pronounce, and to coronavirus, the one and only thing happening in the world right now. So before we even uh, discuss it more, I'm just going to go straight into the interview with her. Good afternoon, and thank you so much for being with us. Thank you for having me. Okay, EMDR, what is that? So EMDR stands for Eye Movement Desensitization and Reprocessing. And basically it's a process that um, we use in therapy to to use our brains to help us both desensitize from an experience, so make it feel more distant, and to reprocess it, to so to change to change that experience from something that isn't adaptive, such as 
I'm in danger or <clears throat> I'm not good enough or another negative thought and reprocess it into something that is more positive and more adaptive. Like, um, I'm okay. I can handle it. Okay. So that's, so that it's, it's not changing necessarily the negative to the positive. It's changing the, the fear of hopeless, hope, hopelessness, I guess, to functional. So in this case, it's about, well, in, in general, it's about changing that hopelessness or that negative feeling into something positive. In this case, what I'm going to be talking about is, is that feeling of powerlessness. Okay, so so let's go straight into it because I think that's kind of the the biggest issue we're dealing, we're dealing with these with these days. Um, although there is something positive in getting it from the, one of the later countries, so we can look around and see what other people have been doing, and uh, even we got the opportunity to step into coronavirus when um, messages from China are coming out that are quite. Uh, calming that something was controlled over there, but right now we're in the deepest fear. So uh, absolutely. So, so we're not actually helpless. We don't have to be hopeless, but by definition, we're powerless. We can do as much as we can. We can do. We can. We can take all the recommendations. We can. Um, we can keep to the social distancing. We can use the hand sanitizer. We can do everything that we're supposed to do, but yet in many ways we're powerless over the outcome. And the powerlessness is, is something that we're often very afraid of. Because we don't know how to deal with it and what to do. That's right. Okay. So, so what I've been doing is actually helping people learn to tolerate that sense of powerlessness, which, which often helps them feel much calmer. And, and in a lot of, in a lot of ways gives them a sense of, um, faith in, in God or in their higher power. Okay. So then, so let's start looking and seeing where we find the balance. Because on the one hand, we can't be calm. We do need to be very careful and very, uh, um, you know, preparing for the future and knowing where we are. And, and I see what you're saying. <laughs> the listeners can't see, but when it's in the sense we can't be calm, we jumped. But yes, we can be calm maybe. We yeah. can be calm while still being vigilant. And I think vigilance is very important. Right. So, so we need calm, to see, let's, let's talk about how do we balance it. Because if we take all the, the uh, recommendations, we'd probably be just at home isolated um, without functioning, with letting, without letting the kids breathe a bit. Um, and we wouldn't be going shopping. On the other hand, the other people were going shopping and just stocking up for the next uh, 20, 30, 40 years or I don't know. Um, so where, where do we find the balance? Like, I don't know if we need to uh, stock up with toilet paper until 19, until 2060 or 70 or how many years we're going to buy forward. On the other hand, we, do, we, do, we don't want to be stuck. Absolutely. So we want to be practical and we want to do, we want to take all the necessary steps that are advised by the, the, um, authorities and the medical professionals in order to prevent ourselves from either getting, um, the coronavirus ourselves or from infecting others. Um, but at the same time, being overly anxious about it and, and hypervigilant can, can make us feel crazy and, and weaken our immune system. And weaken our immune system, which is the main issue. Right. Okay. So we do have to take a short ad break. 
And when we come back, we'll talk a lot more about the balance and staying calm and functional during these days of fear and not knowing what's happening. Um, I'm in the very interesting discussion with a psychologist, Aliza Billman, a short break, and we will be right back. IFM 101.9 megahertz of life. 101.9, we are back in the middle of a very interesting discussion with um, Aliza Billman, a psychologist here in Joburg, who has specialized in EMDR, which we explained earlier on what it is. However, uh, there was a very strong um, relevance in that kind of work to uh, functioning in a world of not knowing what to do today of the coronavirus. And we were right before the break discussing uh, how do we balance between panicking and staying functional? Because as was mentioned, I actually heard from one of the doctors that his concern is that if everybody's going to panic, automatically our immune system is going to get weaker. So we do need to stay strong and positive. However, we also don't want to run around the world shopping and buying and, and just losing it, I guess. And not even to talk about financial pressure, which we'll get to soon. <laughs> but, um, okay, so how do we balance? So balance is always the, the question. I think, I think it's a really difficult thing to do to balance. But I think one of the most important things is to recognize how we're feeling. Recognize what emotions we're feeling. Are we feeling fear? Are we feeling helpless? Are we feeling hopeless? And also to recognize our body sensations. Because our body sensations, we, we often tend to ignore, but they're actually clues as to what we're, we're feeling. So what are we looking for? So for instance, often panic will feel like, um, like a feel, people feel, often feel it in their chests. They feel like this tightness and, and they, they don't know how to control it. Which is a big problem because one of the signs of corona is not breathing well. This says pressure on the breathing system. Right. So how do we know? So just calm down. So just by if we can stop ourselves, take a step back, think about our own systems, what we've been done, what we've been doing. Just pay attention to that breathing. Breathe in. Um, there, there's actually an exercise yeah, that well, I can I can describe okay. that that is actually really beneficial. So you put your feet on the floor. You put your hands on your on your knees. You look around the room until you notice something that you hadn't noticed before. You take a breath in for four seconds. Hold okay. it for four seconds. And let it out for eight. And that will do. And then you swallow. And then you think of a place where you feel calm. And you can tap your knees slowly on each side. And this is a multi-sensory exercise that can help you feel more grounded. And it also, when you swallow, it also, I, I get the terms confused, but it, it stops either the parasympathetic um, system or the sympathetic nervous system. And it just allows you to be more grounded and to be more calm. And once you're feeling more calm, you can kind of take cognizance of, okay, what's the reality? What's really happening? 
Okay, so you know, let's because we try to always be practical and that's amazing. Let's do it again in real time. Yes. And and just guide through it. So if we say breathe in for four seconds, we'll actually wait four seconds. Let the listeners do it as we talk and and feel that feeling. Or for somebody um, that is not able to do it right now, that at least I'll have enough time to write it down and yes. actually try it later. So before we discuss what it does and how it does, let's talk practical and. For whoever is joining right now, I'm in a discussion with a psychologist, Aliza Billman, who is um, actually has actually created a very uh, interesting um, coronavirus um, approach based on uh, NDR and based on other things that she has practiced for years. And she and what we're going to do is we're going to present now a, a, a practical tool for anybody at home who's listening to just use it to calm yourself down and see how to deal in a situation that you are hopeless or forward. So let's just, okay, so Lisa, just guide us again through the steps and we'll try to do it as much as we can in real time. Okay. So what do we do? So you sit with your feet planted on the floor. Okay. And you put your hands on your knees. Okay. And you look around the room until you notice something that you hadn't noticed before. Not something that wasn't there before, just something that you hadn't noticed before. Okay. And don't think about Pesach thing. <laughs> Although a lot of things are going to suddenly show up, but okay, we're looking around. So if you notice that cushion, for instance, okay. and take a breath in for four seconds, hold it for four seconds, and let it out slowly for eight seconds. Okay, so let's give the eight seconds so people can actually let it out. Okay, and now swallow. And now think of a place where you feel calm. So, for instance, that might, for some people, that might be um, the sea. For others, it might be the bush. Just bring up that image of a place where you feel calm. And with your hands, you can tap yourself on each leg. Slowly, one tap at a time, while you're imagining this place where you feel calm, whether it's the sea or the bush, and just notice yourself feeling a bit calmer. And then you can just take a breath and notice what's happening for you. And this, at this point, somebody's mind would be calm and kind of being able to reevaluate the situation or what, what does it give us? So, yeah, it can help you feel it, it, it probably won't calm you completely if you've been really charged and really anxious, but hopefully it'll help you feel a bit more calm, a better sense of calm and, and, and more contained. Okay. What, what senses does this involve? Just let's talk a bit about the theory around it. So somebody missed the step or something, so they would know how to deal with it. Okay. So, First of all, you're putting your hands on your knees, which is, it's grounding you. It's grounding you literally to the floor. And you can feel that sense of something underneath you holding you up. And then you're using your vision to, to look around the room and to notice something. And then you're, you're taking a breath in and holding it, and you're paying attention to that and being mindful of that and letting it out. 
and then you're swallowing, which, which again, either stops the, either the parasympathetic or the sympathetic nervous system. Which, which basically not only that you're making your brain work, you're also making your brain not think about the panic. Yeah. Creating something. Yes. You're making it slow down, but you're also distracting it. Which is an, uh, which is a fascinating thing because many times, um, I know from my personal experience when, when I would come to trauma scene and try to get people that are stuck in trauma somewhere, sometimes the best way is to actually just physically move them because they're so stuck in their thought moment and kind of freezing even. Sometimes by just giving a simple order of step aside, move forward, move around, don't get stuck in the same space, you're actually waking up your brain and starting to to kind of calm down and, and, and react to the situation. Absolutely. Which which would in a way be some kind of relevance into this yes. situation. Yes. Okay. And if somebody's sitting there and thinking and as they're thinking, yes, they're getting calmer but also very nervous. Are there any specific um I'd say cognitive school skills we can tell them, listen, in reality by being cautious, you're doing what you can, you need to let go. Like, how would you approach that situation? So one of the things, again, it's probably more behavioral, but one of the things I would do also is just have them count backwards um, from 100 by sevens, um, which, again, takes their mind off it. It's, it's, it's Sevens is a hard number. It's tricky. So 100, 93. 86. And you really have to focus on it. Okay. And again, you're, you're distancing yourself from that feeling of panic. Um, once, once you've distanced yourself, then you can start thinking, trying to bring up positive thoughts. Okay. I can handle this. I, I'm okay. I'm going to be okay. Um, I can I can feel safe. But how can a person feel safe in this kind of situation? So by by changing our language and looking towards how we want to feel, that can help us feel that way. It will create the reality. It can create the reality to a degree. Right. So I want to say something about when we're talking about feeling safe, which was fascinating. I mean, I always knew it, but it was amazing to see this, this Shabbos that, um, so many of us just, um, um, put their phones away, I'd say, in, in no other nicer way. Um, there was over 24 hours that we were completely disconnected from social media, completely disconnected from, uh, the world and the frights and the jokes and the scaring, even the humor and everything. And it just felt that everybody was much calmer. And in our house, my family, people I've seen and spoke to afterwards, it was just this feeling of um, things are calm. And almost the degree that people were saying, and I've heard it from more than one person that I've spoken to during Shabbos, they were thinking by Shabbos noon already, maybe we'll turn on the phone after Shabbos and hear that something changed, that somebody did something. So this feeling, so all these positive feelings started to kick in. So then when we talk about this, how do, should we kind of distance ourselves from news and social media or we actually need it for our safety information? How do we find, we find that balance once we're talking about balances? So I think 
as hard as it is, I think one of the most important things that can help people gain a stronger sense of calm is to distance themselves from, from social media, from the negativity. There are reliable sources that it's important to pay attention to because it's important to be vigilant. But other than those sources, the negativity just brings us down and makes us more and more anxious. The, the positivity can be helpful for some people. Um, there's lots of positive memes and comments going around. Um, and jokes are, are sometimes helpful, helpful for some people. But, but distancing ourselves from that unnecessary negativity is a big key. Okay, so then we can actually start um, um, actually building up towards the day after, towards staying calm now. Absolutely. etc. So I, I got to say on, the, on those lines, which is something that I'm seeing when I'm in touch from people from overseas, and some countries are kind of um, moving forward already. I'd say they've been in this for quite a few weeks and things are happening. And I see that um, once people are not as scared for their lives, they're not getting calm. They just change their fear to financial and say, okay, what's going to be now with all the finances? And they change their fear to um, or to um, are we going to have the things that we need? Like, and why are we not uh, calming down after the life threat goes away? So a couple of thoughts about that. Um, number one, those are real concerns and real stressors. But on the other hand, on the other, the other side of it is that perhaps it's, 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 it's some residue still of that anxiety. Even though the situation has changed, we still feel that sense of, of panic and that, that sense of something's going to go wrong or we're not in control or, or whatever it may be. And that's, that's kind of how our brains tend to work um, at, at some point. So let's talk about the opportunity that Corona is actually giving us because throughout the whole year, I meet people all the time that I find that their need of being in control is actually hurting them and damaging them. And here's a great opportunity to actually practice that you can't be in control consistently. Absolutely. So what do we learn from this and start implementing in our lives today to take forward? So I think we can, we can start becoming aware of, of some things like I can be okay even if I'm, if I'm powerless. Um, um, okay. I can feel safe even when I'm not in control. I can survive feelings of being powerless. It's okay to feel powerless. And just by telling that to yourself, you're already calmed up? No, but it can help you start the process. And it can also help you identify maybe where you get stuck. Okay. And, yeah, because maybe that's also sometimes when a person realizes that they can't be in control, then it is something that it calms them down in a way because it is what it is, and now you kind of you know, deal with it. But then also maybe we can do that in things that we imagine we're in control and just say, okay, listen, I'll make a list of everything I need to do. And once I'm done, just let go. That's right. So kind of like the, uh, you know, the, the serenity prayer. 
Right. Um, so, so what are the things we can do now to remember this in a few months down the line? A few months down the line, things are going to get calm. Please, God, I don't know if it's going to be days or weeks or months or years. I mean, I honestly believe that um, when Hashem brought this on us in a, in a split second, it could disappear in a split second. Mm-hmm. We could all we, for all we know, in the next news, they'll say that they found a cure, and that's it, and it's over. Um, so, what can we do once it is over and take and and use this as a memory to the past, kind of? So, I think we can recognize all the positive things that came out of it. So, for some people, that might be I got to spend more time with my kids. I got to have more time to just be and think. Um, it can be any, any, I think it's, I think it's really important to focus on those positive things. And there are always positive things that we can identify. Which, you know, it's, it's an amazing point because, um, at the end of the day, I mean, as much as we're stressed out, the kids, can find this a time of good memories. Mm. They don't have this fear. And and I think focusing on that and creating the good memories is actually one of the things we can use to let our brain um, relax because a lot of the the un, uncertainty happens when we don't know what to do. But here we know what to do. We know it's our time to invest in our families. We know it's our time to prepare a place. We know it's our time to kind of create communication at home and friendships. And this is our time. So would you say that focusing on that, extra focusing on that will actually take away from the fear? Uh, yeah, I imagine that it would very much so. Okay, because I, I, I remember from as a child that... Um, um, my parents sometimes can describe the Gulf War as something scary. Um, however, I remember it's something fun. Mm-hmm. We were all together in the locked room and shelter and whatever it is. And, and now we know it was nonsense. It was just duct tape. But, but still, it was, it, it wasn't in our hands. We were trusting our parents and kind of, we can also like, oh, maybe trust, um, um, Hashem, God, or, and just relax. Absolutely. Okay. So, how we create a better environment and place to be in, we will have to do right after the next ad break. So we're going to go for a short ad break, and when we come back, we will continue with Aliza Billman, psychologist, and discussing how to deal in these hectic days, or I don't want to say hectic, challenging experience, good memories. We're living in history. I mean, we will be asked in 10 years how it was then, or 20 years. So how do we deal with our history, historical times? A short break, and we'll be right back. IFM 101.9 megahertz of life. 101.9 We are back in a very interesting discussion with Aliza Billman, psychologist. And right before the break, we ended up with the fact that using these historical days, and they will be, it is something that will be remembered, um, into creating positive feelings and memories in our kids and it has two things. Number one, we're giving a gift to our kids for life. I mean, there will be a time that our kids will meet another 50 years from now or 60 or 70 or 90, which we will probably not be around anymore. And they'll just talk about their memories. And it's in our hands today. Are these going to be positive memories or negative memories? So number one, it's crucial for their, for their 
future self-esteem, etc. And there's another part to it that actually a lot of the hopelessness happens when we don't know what to do. But here we know what to do. Invest in our families, invest in our homes, make it a nice environment, a nice times to live in. So let's uh, talk a bit practically what we can do as well. Okay, so I think one of the things that we can do with our kids is to say we are in history. We are making history right now. What kind of memories do we want to have? Let's make those memories. So so my kids are are taking all sorts of things from our house, and they're creating um, obstacle courses. They're just, they're just kind of, I'm choosing my battles for one thing. Yeah. I mean, obstacle courses we have naturally at home right now. Um, and they're just having fun. They're, they're using multiple sensory things and they're, they're jumping, they're bouncing, they're playing. And, and then if they start fighting, which is also natural, we can say, okay, time to separate, time to have some downtime. Um, and, and really engaging in that as well. Which is, which is very, uh, interesting. I, I, one of the professionals that I've spoken to before on the radio, she said on a different topic, she's talking about the time we invest in our kids. And she said that she believes that kids do need time to be on their own, do need time to develop, and they don't need us as parents all over them, and rather kind of give them space, and then when we get into the home, and when they get into a challenge, um, to step in and be there fully focused and save our energy for then rather than being on top of them all the time and just are wiped and have no energy for them. Hmm. And then to, and, and to use our energy also for things that we mutually enjoy. So for instance, reading a book together, playing a game together, doing things that we don't necessarily normally have time for. And, and making that, building that into our routines. Okay. So basically using this, all the things that we wanted to do and we don't really have the ability to, to work with on day to day lives, I'd say. Yeah, absolutely. Mm-hmm. And even if it's not the entire day, we do have a lot more time than we generally do. Mm-hmm. So choosing a half hour. I want to talk shortly about another topic. Um, which is not something I'm going to discuss mainly this show, um, and the show has moved on. Um, I'm finding a lot of couples that I'm in touch with mm-hmm. that are not really used to being around each other all the time, and are not, uh, you know, they both work, or one of them works, and and for some some of the couples, it's suddenly amazing. They realize what's happening at home or with their spouse, and some of them are having quite challenge. Um, communication, I'd say, these days of stress and being together so many hours all the time. Absolutely. Um, so again, I think, I think the first thing is that it's important to acknowledge it, to acknowledge what they're experiencing with each other and to ask a lot of questions. How are you managing? What are you experiencing? What's going on for you internally in these, right. it, it's our new reality for now. And, and what's it like? And just to try and understand each other's reality a little bit better. Um, because we each respond to it in our own way. And and I think it's our place to come and say that we know that from so many people that it's normal. And, and, and I always tell couples when they call me these days, 
First of all, don't, don't freak out. Don't, but don't get worried. It's normal. And I've, I see it many times when suddenly, um, couples have been married for many, many years and they haven't been together, um, on daily basis except for holidays for the past 25 years or 15 years or whatever it is. It's different. And, and don't panic if things sometimes get frustrating, etc. And then as you said, to kind of uh, identify each other. Absolutely. And just like kids need downtime, adults need downtime too. And and if if possible, to make sure that you can create that downtime. And it, yeah, and and actually, it's would you say it's it's important for everyone of the spouses to kind of make sure their spouse has downtime and space, or kind of don't push it. So. I think it, it depends on the couple. It depends on the relationship. I think they should try to support each other, but try to understand what the other needs, not try to understand their spouse based on their own needs. Okay. So if your spouse is, is financially stressed, doesn't necessarily mean that your spouse is financially stressed. Maybe they're stressed because of the, the, this um, buying products or the fact that the kids are home all day or the fact that they have an elderly relative. I mean, there's many different stresses. And as you say, don't assume that what you're going through, the other one's going through. Absolutely. Don't assume. And also often it's so important just to be validated and just to be understood. That has tremendous value. So it's not necessarily about problem solving for your spouse, but about, listening and hearing and and validating that yes it makes sense it's okay we'll get through it i'll support you right so so you're saying that and and here's a very important point before we go into outbreak when we talk about these strong feelings of um i'll be okay i'll manage i'll it will it will turn out okay i can let go and i can feel strong your spouse um, or you towards your spouse has spouse a very big um, opportunity and responsibility to kind of give it to your spouse and, and say, I'm here for you. We're here together. We're going to make it happen. And we can influence each other and support each other. Absolutely. And there's often, I mean, often when people are going through something difficult, one of their best resources is to connect with people who are who have either been in a similar experience or who are experiencing something similar. And just to be able to experience it together makes it a little bit more tolerable. And even just for, even if nobody has been there, this just not doing that alone. Absolutely. It is amazing. Okay. So in the discussion here with um, psychologist Lisa Billman, and we're discussing all the different aspects we can do and need to do towards um, the coronavirus, how does it affect us and what, what can we do to make our lives better and, um, go through this healthier, stronger and in a more positive way? We do need to take another ad break. And when we come back, we'll kind of get to the end of the show and talk about, um, a bit more of the practical that we spoke about before. 101.9 Hi FM Hashimokhutrobaji. We will be right back. Hi FM, your station of choice since 2008. 101.9 In a very interesting discussion here with Aliza Billman, psychologist, um, who has converted 
a lot of her knowledge into a very practical programming plan for dealing with the coronavirus and the COVID-19 or whatever you want to call it, basically the crisis we're dealing with these days. Um, and as the show has come to an end, actually, instead of discussing another element, which I did want to, I'm going to let that go. And I just want to repeat again, and this slowly, a very practical tool for people that are under stress or everybody we're under stress. What can we do to physically calm ourselves down? So I'm just going to give an opportunity for a few seconds for anybody who wants to get a pen and paper and write it down. Or um, if you just want to put yourself calm, sit down a moment, calm down, take the next minute, minute and a half, and get a very useful, practical tool from psychologist Aliza Billman to actually use these days to calm yourself down and to get your strength back. back. I'm just going to ask you, Aliza, to do it slowly. Sure. So people can actually follow um, as you do it. Okay, so take a seat and sit with your feet on the ground. Put your hands on your knees and look around the room until you notice something that you hadn't noticed before. It could be something that was there the whole time, you just hadn't noticed it before. And once you've found something that you hadn't noticed, you can take a deep breath in for four seconds, hold it for four seconds, and slowly let it out for eight. Now swallow and bring up the image of a place where you feel calm. So for some people, that may be the sea. For others, that may be the bush. And just notice this place where you feel calm and tap yourself on your knees one hand at a time, slowly on each side. Slowly tap back and forth while you're imagining this place where you feel calm. And then you can take a breath and just notice how much calmer you feel. And hopefully at this point, you'll be able to just feel a bit calmer, a bit more in control, a bit more grounded, and be in a, a bit of a better space. Amazing. It's, a, it's always good to end off with something very practical, something we can use. Um, we do need to wrap up and end the show. Um, just if anybody wants to be in touch with you, because you have many more of these tools and things they can, well, how would they be in touch with you? So the best way is through WhatsApp. My number is 76 368 Seven nine five eight. Again, that's zero seven six three six eight seven nine five eight. Or you can find me um, online at www.alizabillman a l i z a b i l m a n dot com. Please get this show, uh, like many more shows, has come to an end. And then, in the meantime, stay healthy, keep strong. And we will, please God, be here again next week, Monday, 2 to 3. And hopefully by then this will all, all will be history.